This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. Welcome back to Case Closed. We've got another hour of old-time radio crime for you, beginning with Richard Diamond, Private Detective. You'll hear Escaped Convicts After Diamond, his story from July 9th, 1949. After that, it's yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and the Baldero Matter, his story from March 15th, 1959. Here's Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, private detective. Hello there, this is Diamond. I have a little office on Broadway at 53rd Street. And if you happen to be in the neighborhood sometime, you might notice a sign on the door. It reads, Diamond Detective Agency. Yeah, that's how I make a living, such as it is. I sit at my desk behind that door and wait for someone to come in and hire me. Eventually, trouble works its way into someone's life and gives him a shove in my direction. He tells me about it, and I listen with the attitude of a father confessor. When he's done, I dry my eyes and tell him what I think. What I think really doesn't matter, because it's just a shortcut to $100 a day in expenses. Sure, you can hire a guy for less money, but when I work, it's for a price I figure I'm worth. It's got to be that way because sometimes the work's a little dirty, and I have to swallow a lot of pride. I get mixed up in everything from simple divorce to muscle-bound homicide, and when trouble can't find me a client, it starts working on yours truly, and I wind up in a corner. I guess trouble figured I was just about due for a squeeze play because one night last week... Two lifers in the state pen started working me into their plans. Well, what about it, Walsh? Shut up. Wait until the guards pass. Okay. Drag out the cards like we was playing. Sure. Is it uh, set for the night? Yeah. I got the car and everything. Yeah. We'll head for Florida and get across to Cuba. Oh, well, I'd be glad to get out of this uh, three lousy years. Yeah, I got eight behind me. I used every minute figuring how I'm going to take care of a guy. Oh, Walsh, you're not going to start that again? Forget it. Be glad you're getting out. You knock off that guy and you'll never make it to Cuba. Now, look. I figured this whole thing out. I paid out a lot of dough just to make it come off. And when it does, I'm going to kill an ex-cop. And you're going to help me. Me? Yeah. Unless you want to rot here. Oh, you're out of your mind. If this break comes off, it'll be the neatest trick in years. And you want to louse it up by knocking off some guy on the outside? You can stay here and rot if you want to. The only way I take you along is you help me to get a guy named Diamond. Yeah, but you waste a lot of time in New York. They'll have the roads covered by then... Look, just because this diamond guy knocked off your brother in that bank... Job, you see, you, you bust out of here, it's on my terms. I... Now make up your mind, it's getting late. Okay, give me the layout. Well, 
Yeah, what is it, Otis? We just got a call, Lieutenant. Two prisoners busted out of Sing Sing, killed two guards. Who are they? Big time. Bob Wells and Charles Walsh. Charles Walsh? Yeah, life. I know, I know. Diamond helped send him up before I took over this department. Otis, get Diamond on the phone. Diamond? Yeah, Diamond. Who'd you think I meant? Little Red Riding Hood? Yeah, yeah Lieutenant. Oh, Diamond, Otis. Bring me my bicarbonate, Otis. Someday I'm going to get good and sore. What did you say? Uh, nothing. Ah, uh, nuts. Now, what's the matter? His office don't answer. Give me that phone. Huh? We've got to find him before Walsh does. Maybe he's over at Helen Asher's house. All right, Otis, stop standing on one foot. You can leave. Miss Asher's residence. Hello, Francis. This is Lieutenant Levinson. Is Diamond there? Why, no, sir, but Miss Asher expects him. Oh, oh wait a moment, sir. Here's Miss Asher. It's Lieutenant Levinson for Mr. Diamond, Miss Helen. Oh, thank you, Francis. Hello, Walt. How are you, Helen? I was looking for Rick. Oh, I was just talking to him. He should be here in about 20 minutes. Why? Uh, will you have him call me right away? Something wrong? No, no. Just tell him... Tell him an old friend of his is in town, and I have to talk to him about it. Oh, all right, Walt. I'll tell him. Oh, thanks, Helen. It'll be at least 20 minutes. He's walking over from his office. Okay, Diamond, hold it right there. <laughs> Start walking over to that sedan. Don't you know it's not polite to point? Look, laughing boy, I got a big gun in my pocket. Well, I'm proud of you. I thought it was a crossbow. Get moving. Okay. I'd never seen him before. He was a tall guy with a scar on his chin. He walked me over to the sedan and opened the door. He moved in close and shook me down. He relieved me of my 38 and motioned me into the front seat. I slid in and he started to follow, so I kept one leg out in front of me and kicked him in the face. I couldn't get enough leverage to cool him, but it gave me enough time to get out the other door and start making like a miler. I looked over my shoulder and saw him climb out holding a bloody nose. I knew he wouldn't take a shot unless he got close enough to make it count, so when he started after me, I ducked into the subway. I found a dime and went through the turnstile. A train was getting ready to pull out, so I pushed my way on just as the gonnet came down the stairs. He said he wasn't happy to see me go. He didn't even wave goodbye. Wait a minute, you! Wait! Oh, nuts. I know it. Get away from me. How do like call that guy? Uh. Yeah? Yeah, you and your swell ideas. What's the matter? I waited for Diamond outside his office, like you said. I started to hustle him in the car, and he kicked me in the face. Oh. I think my nose is you broken. You stupid... I told you to be careful. Yeah, sure you did. You think I like getting booted in the nose? Look, if you want Diamond so much, you get him yourself. Maybe you can tell me how you're going to get to Cuba without me? Huh? Oh. Well, what do you want me to do now? I still want Diamond. Yeah, but he jumped the subway train. How am I supposed to find her? I found out he's got a dame over on Park Avenue. Pick her up, bring her over here. Pick her up? I'd give you the chair for kidnapping. I'll use her to get Diamond. Pick her up if you want to get out of the country. Yeah, but a no, snitch. Look, I it... busted you out of store. I can bust you right back in. No. Now pick her up. Her name is Helen Asher. She lives at 975 Park. Well, what if someone else is there? What if there is? You want me to stop over making a fourth for bridge? Get him out of the way and bring the dame to me. <laughs> Thank you.
Hello, Otis. Well, Diamond. Lieutenant's been looking all over the city for you. I bet you've been a nervous wreck. I wouldn't care if you fell off the George Washington Bridge, Shamus. Why, Otis? And after all, we've been to each other. Uh, nuts. You better go on in and see the lieutenant. Sure. Hey, uh, Sergeant. Yeah? When are you going to get some new shoes? If yours turn up any more in front, you'll have to ski to work. Uh... Hello, Walt. Rick, we've been looking all over for you. Why don't you cops get on the job? It's getting so it isn't safe for a citizen to walk the streets at high noon. What are you yakking about? Well, I leave my office to go to see Helen and some goon tries to hold me up. Well, you're lucky you didn't get it right then. Do you know who busted out of jail last night? Go on, scare me. Charles Walsh. He swore if he ever did bust out, he'd get you. Well, that explains something. Why, what happened? This character tries to hustle me into a car, so I shoved my foot in his face and beat it into a subway. But it wasn't Walsh. Might have been Bob Wells. He busted out with him. I can tell you in a minute. Got a file on him? Sure. Otis, bring in the file on Bob Wells. By the way, Lieutenant. Oh, Walt, do you mind if I use your phone? Now, go ahead. I better call Helen. Tell her I'm going to be a little late. Well, I just talked to her and asked her to have you call. Where is everybody? Yes? Francis? Oh, Mr. Diamond. Please hurry over here. Something's happened to Miss Asher. What are you talking about? Miss Asher's been kidnapped. What? Yes, sir. A man came in and made Miss Asher go down to his car at the point of a gun. He also hit me over the head. Was he a tall man with a scar on his chin? Yes, sir. That's right. We'll be right over. Walt, I think the guy that tried to push me around has kidnapped Helen. Oh, no. He pulled a gun on her and slugged Francis. We better get over there. Now, if Charles Walsh is loose... And he's trying to get me, then snatching Helen is a sure way to get me to come around. Hey, uh, where's that file on Bob Wells? Wait a minute. Otis. Yeah, Lieutenant. Haven't you got that file on Wells yet? Yes, sir. Just bringing it in. Well, step on it. Otis is bringing it in. Here, Lieutenant. Let me see it. Hey, now, wait a minute. Oh, shut up, Otis. This is the guy, all right. He's the one who tried to pick me up. Uh, uh, may I take one of these pictures, Walt? Sure, but what are you going to do? I'll see if I can find him. You go on over and talk to Francis. See if this is the same guy who took Helen. I'm going to go down to Skid Row and talk to a wise old owl who knows about things like this. I got out of the 5th precinct in a hurry and grabbed a cab for Skid Row. I knew an old deadbeat down there who had a line on every crook in the underworld. And there was just a chance he could tell me where Bob Wells was hiding out. His name was Wilbur Truitt, and he hung out in a shabby dive called the Parrot. Hello, Wilbur. What? Again? You at the piano strike up a chorus of my buddy, for the wandering boy has returned. Look, Wilbur... I, I would rise and bow from the waist as befits the occasion, but I fear that some sterno I accidentally came in contact with has rusted my spine, and I am forced to remain in a sitting position. I haven't got time to listen to the routine, Wilbur. I'm looking for someone. Here, take a look at this picture. Ever see this guy? Unless I have my morning constitutional buck, I can bring nothing into focus but a large bottle and a straw. Oh, oh waiter. Waiter, uh, give me a bottle. You have arrived in the nick of time. I get that wonderful warm glow when you ask for a whole bottle. A snap comparison would be that of a happy mother smiling blissfully at a nursing bay. Okay, Wilbur, now tell me, do you know this man? One sip of strength, and I shall have the eyes of a carrot-stuffed feline. Now, 
Yes, I can see the gentleman clearly. In fact, my vision has so greatly improved it begins to take on the functions of an X-ray. For instance, I can readily perceive that the man in question is addicted to false stimulants, and his low brow and squinty eyes tell me that he is indeed a person of some doubtful character. You're looking in the mirror. No, here. Here's this picture. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Mr. Bobby Wells. The description is flexible. Know where I can find him? Up until yesterday, he was residing at an institution upstate. Sing Sing, I believe. It is very possible that he is hiding out in one of his old haunts on 23rd Street, but uh, I couldn't say for sure. Oh, why not? Uh, This bottle you purchased entitles you to one of my best guesses. To be absolutely accurate, I would need further inducement. It's the risk, bucko. Uh, bring me another jug, bartender. Ah, bless you. Try looking in a rooming house at 533 West 23rd Street. Now, if you don't mind, I shall forget the necessity for long conversations and begin to concentrate on the work ahead of me. Goodbye, Bucko, and stop in again. Say tomorrow morning if you wake up feeling charitable. I left Wilbur trying to figure the best way to parlay the two bottles and headed for the address he'd given me. It was a typical apartment house of the district four-story building with a high premium insurance policy. I asked the landlady if a Bob Wells lived there, and she told me a man answering his description had taken a room there that morning. She told me he'd gone out a few minutes before, and she let me into his room. I told her to keep a lookout and warn me if he showed. Then I started looking. I tore the place apart, but I didn't come up with a thing. I spotted the phone and started to call Walt, and that's when I saw it. A pad lying by the base of the phone with a heavy imprint left from the writing on the top sheet. I pulled an old trick. I took a pencil and rubbed the lead lightly over the imprint, and up came one telephone number. I dialed it and waited. Ironbug's delicatessen. Oh, uh, is Bob Wells there? Oh? Bob Wells. Never heard of him. Thanks. Well, it's like that. One minute you think you've got a lead hot enough to melt your change purse, and the next you find yourself looking like a tree surgeon in Death Valley. But in my business, it takes a conventional three to strike you out. So I found the address of the delicatessen, and 15 minutes later, I was standing between a smoked herring and a three-foot salami talking with Mr. Weinberg. What can I do for you, sir? Oh, uh, I talked with you, oh, say, 20 minutes ago about a Mr. Bob Wells. Bob Wells? Oh, yes. Never heard of him. Uh, take a look at this picture. Maybe you know the face and not the name. It's familiar. Yes, I think I've seen him somewhere. Think hard now. This is important. Are you a policeman? Detective. Oh. How about it? Oh, yeah, yeah. As long as you're a cop. Sure, I remember him. He came to my store last night. I remember because I had already closed and he kept pounding on the door. Finally, I let him in. He was very rude. He bought a lot of groceries, but very rude. Have you seen him again? Sure, he came in this morning about locks and bagels. Stell Road. Hmm. Where's your phone? In the back. Has uh, this Mr. Wells done something? He left Sing Sing without saying goodbye to the warden. Ha! <laughs> now, look, uh, I'm going in the back and use your phone. If Wells happens to come in while I'm back there, stall him and come back and tip me off. I'll do my best. But he better not be rude.
Lieutenant Levinson. Hey, Walt. I'm in a delicatessen over on 24th Street. Yeah, Rick. I traced Wells this far, found out he's been buying food here, probably for Walsh. You think Walsh is hiding somewhere in the neighborhood? Yeah, yeah, that's my guess. They probably took separate places so they could move in a hurry if one hideout got hot. I'll be over there right away. Good. Comfortable, honey, but no yelling, or I'll have to stuff up that pretty mouth. I don't understand this. Why did you kidnap me? I've been having a hard time getting in touch with your boyfriend, Diamond. Figure if his girl's in trouble, he'll come look. I, I don't have a boyfriend. <laughs> sure, sure, play it straight. But you watch. Tonight I call your butler and tell him we got you. If Diamond wants you alive, he comes to a spot I got picked out. And he comes along. I don't know any diamond. Ain't she cute, Bobby? Yeah, cute. Want me to fix her so she forgets how to lie? No, I don't care if she claims diamonds are uncle. <laughs> Go on down to Delicatessen and get some food. I'm getting hungry. Okay. But I still think we ought to be getting out of town. In one hour, I call this dame's house. At 12 o'clock, I meet Diamond in the park. Then we get out. Why do you want to see uh, this diamond? Oh, we're old friends, baby. He sent me up for life, and he shot my kid brother full of holes. I just want to see that Diamond gets everything that's coming to him. You talk too much. You've got some bad habits yourself. Now get that food. And if you're too lazy to walk downstairs, I'll show you a shortcut. Uh, Three floors, straight down. You can jump for it. Okay, okay. Good evening, gentlemen. What can Weinberg do for you? Hey, Lieutenant, that chopped liver sure looks good. Keep your fat hooks off of that, Otis. Walt. Oh, yeah, Rick. Back here. All right. The storekeeper is watching out for Wells. If he shows, he'll come back here in Tempest. I parked the squad car two blocks over. I didn't want Wells or Walsh to think something was up. Where's Otis? Otis! I'll be right with you, Lieutenant. I'm just buying something to nibble on. Hmm. His nibble would grind up a whole cow. If Wells comes in and spots a cop, he'll take off like a jackrabbit. Hold it, Walt. It's huh? mad. That guy coming across the street. Looks like Wells. Oh. Otis, get away from that door. Huh? I can't hear you, Lieutenant. A man's coming in the store. Get away from the door. He is? You want me to hide? No, you idiot. Just play it smart like you didn't know him. But get away from the door so he'll come in. Oh. Okay, Lieutenant. Leave it to me. Oh. Walt Duck. Good evening. What can the Weinberg do for you? Uh, I'll have a couple of sandwiches. Hey, try the salami. It's great. Huh? Oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, make it salami. Coleslaw? Uh, pickle beer. Nice pickle? night. Listen uh, to that idiot. Yeah, sure. Master? Uh, he's doing fine, uh, Walter. Relax. You live around here? Oh. Huh? No, uh, just seeing a sick friend. Yeah. Uh, maybe that salami ain't such a good idea if your friend's sick. You know, I had an uncle with ulcers. He couldn't touch the stuff. It's too much garlic. Ketchup? No. My friend's got a cold. Oh. Well, then I don't guess it'll hurt him, but... You know, the best thing for a cold is good mustard plastic. And now you, you, you take the Here's plastic... Here's your sandwiches, sir. Sixty cents. Sixty? Here you are. Thanks. Thanks. Hope your friend gets better. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, come on. How did I do, Lieutenant? Well, one thing is sure. He thought you were too stupid to recognize him. Can you still see him, Rick? Yeah. Yeah, he crossed the street and he's starting to walk west. I'll tell him. He knows you. Good. When you spot the place, call me here. 
think I should throw a net around the neighborhood? Not till we spot the hideout. Right. Hey, Diamond. They got your girl. How are you going to get her out? They'd probably use her for a shield. That's a good point, Sergeant. Believe me, I've been thinking about it. Here's the sandwiches. Swell. Hey, mm. you only got two. Oh, there was a cop in the delicatessen. A cop? Yeah, big stupid one. Listen, I, I told him I'm getting food for a sick friend, see? And he starts giving me all kinds you of... You sure rem- you weren't tailed? Tailed? No, who tailed me? Cop stayed in the delicatessen. Okay. Here, honey. Have a sandwich. I'm not hungry. Oh. Suit yourself. Here, Bobby. Oh, Thanks. Hey, when are you going to put in that call to this dame's butler? Right after we eat. Then we go to the park and wait for Mr. Diamond. Yeah? I'm in a drugstore across from the building that Wells went in. It's about a block away. Nifty drug. Block west on your side of the street. I'll wait inside. We'll be right down. Come on, Otis. The lieutenant hasn't spotted. Okay. Thanks for the bagel, Whitebrake. That's all right, officer. Come back again when you can pay for it. Come on, Otis. Move your big feet. Okay, okay. Hey, you got any brilliant ideas how we're going to get Helen out of there in one piece? No, I got to admit I'm stuck. Why don't you get that bear trap mind of yours working and make yourself a hero? Yeah. Well... Maybe we could start a fire in the building. It'd have to come out. Oh, swell, swell. There's nothing I'd like better than a well-done girlfriend. Well, I was trying. Yeah. Hey. Hey, wait a minute. What's the matter? Otis, remind me to kiss you on both cheeks. Hey, what are you doing? That's a firebox. I'm turning in an alarm. There. Oh, we're going to start that fire? No, but Walsh and Wells won't know there isn't one. When the trucks come and the firemen bust in the place, they'll think it's burning down around their ears. Yeah, maybe then they won't watch Helen too close, huh? Yeah, that's the idea. Well, here's the nifty drugstore. Yeah. Rick, I've been worrying about something. Yeah, I know. How do we get Helen out? Yeah. Well, relax. Otis came up with a solution. Otis? Yeah, I turned in a fire alarm. Now, when the trucks get here, you can tell them what's up and they can go in the building and make like it was on fire. Well, won't Walsh know it's a phony if he can't smell smoke? The chief can tell him it's blazing in the basement. When they hit the street, we can get enough firemen to shield Helen and then take Walsh and Weld. I'll call the precinct and have the blocks around it. We'll need lights if they make a break for it. Uh, which apartment house are they in? That one, across the street. After I call the boys, we better go over and find out which room they're in. Quietly clear the rooms on both sides in case the shooting starts before we expect it. <laughs> I like to upset my stomach. How about that call? Yeah, right. Well, what's your phone number, baby? It's in the book. Oh. She gonna be troubled, Bobby? <coughs> he wants your number. Now, come on. We ain't got all night. All right. Evergreen 54308. Oh, that's better. Gotta be more careful, Bobby. Your lip's bleeding. Yeah. Hey, Walsh. What's that? Sirens. Maybe that's the cops. If somebody tailed you, you... I told you I wasn't tailed. Wait, I'll go see. That's fire trucks. They're coming down a block. I don't smell no smoke. Hey, they're pulling up in front of this building. The joint must be on fire. Let's get out of here. Uh, maybe it's the building next to us. No, they're bringing the hoses right in front of the door of this joint. I'm getting out. Sit still. 
Maybe it ain't a big one. We can't go busting out in the street. Well, maybe it ain't a big one, but if it is, I don't want to end up like a pound of spirit. Ah! Oh, shut her up! Why, you... Yeah. Why, now, come on! Hey, what's that? Yeah, what is it? Fire department, we're evacuating the building. What are we going to do with the dame? Shove her in that closet. Just a minute, we'll be right with you. Hurry, Tom, there's a fire in the basement snooting a gas man. The whole place may go up any second. Did you hear that? Yeah, step on it. Okay. Hey, better step on it. Down these stairs. We can find our way. Hey, there's a couple of prowl cars. Yeah. Separate. We'll meet at the other place. Okay, Walsh, that's fine enough. Ah. It's the shamus. Get him, Walsh. Don't reach for it, Walsh. I owe you something, Diamond. <laughs> Yeah, what? He's a worse shot than his brother. Where's Wells? He made a break for it, but he won't get through. All right, Wells. You can't get through. Drop your gun. You won't take me, copper! Well, that's that. What about Walsh? Uh, he's pretty dead. Come on, I want to find out what happened to Helen. <laughs> Walt and I went up to the room and found Helen in the closet. We took her downstairs and she cried a little on my shoulder. I like that. Makes me feel so protective. Walt cleaned things up and dropped Helen and me off at her place. An hour later, Helen got back to normal and we relaxed on the couch and forgot about Wells and Walsh. How do you feel now, baby? Better. Want me to get Francis to fix some dinner for you? Oh, no, I'm not very hungry. You can have some if you want. Mm, no, no. Want to play some canasta or something? But you always said it was a bad 200 game. Yeah, it is. Well, I forgot my jacks. <laughs> Silly. Want a neck? Ooh, what you said. Come here. No. Helen. No, I'm mad. Mad? What for? Because those two thugs ruined a wonderful evening. What's the matter? Want me to go? Oh, you idiot, of course not. I had a big surprise planned. You did? Yes. Believe it or not, I had two wonderful seats for South Pacific, and now it's too late to go. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, well, I'm sorry, baby. I'd love to have seen it. Me, too. Well, I'm not exactly it's your pinza, but I'll try to make it up to you. Oh, Rick, that's a wonderful idea. Well, what'll it be? Uh, some enchanted evening. Oh, really? Me, 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 me. Hmm. A some enchanted evening You may see a stranger You may see a stranger Across a crowded room Rick! What's the matter? I was just trying to make like pizza. But honey, it's safer for you to make like diamond. Oh. And somehow you know you know, even then, that somewhere you'll see her again and again. Oh, you're not Pinza, but it's wonderful. Thanks. Some enchanted evening, someone may be laughing. You may hear her laughing. Across a crowded room And night after night As strange as it seems 
The sound of her laughter will sing in your dreams. Rick. Who can explain it? Who can tell you why? Ricky. Fools give you answers. Wise men never try. Oh, Rick. Oh, honey, what's the matter? I was just falling in love with myself. Come here. You never let me finish. Do you mind? Oh, well, no. And I'm sure Mr. Pinzer doesn't either. You have just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Helen was played by Virginia Gregg. Lieutenant Levinson by Ed Begley. Also in our cast were Wilms Herbert, Paul Fries, and Larry Dobkin. Music was under the direction of Frank Worth. Richard Diamond is written by Blake Edwards and directed by William P. Rousseau. Now this is Eddie King inviting you to be with us again at the same time next week when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. <laughs> This program has come to you from Hollywood. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Time now for... Johnny Dollar. I have your call to Universal Adjustment Bureau in Hartford. Oh, thank you, operator. Hello. Pat McCracken. Johnny Dollar, Pat. Oh, Johnny, I've been trying to reach you. Yeah, I'm in Sarasota, Florida. Oh? Been down here the better part of a week and just thought I'd check oh, to well, see... Oh, Johnny, I'm glad you called. Can you grab a plane out to the West Coast? Don't see why not. Good. Now, your contact will be Arthur Arthur at Western Maritime and Property, office in Beverly Hills. Got it. What's it all about, Pat? Piracy, according to him. What was that? You heard me. Now, for a second there, I thought you said piracy. Maybe you'd better go out there and see him, huh? Yeah. But I still don't believe it. Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Welcome, William Bendick. Nobody can act up to par with a nasty cold. I check my cold distress the fast way, with four-way cold tablets. Yes, tests of four leading cold tablets prove four-way fastest acting of all. Amazing four-way starts in minutes to relieve aches, pains, headache, reduce fever, calm, upset stomach, also overcomes irregularity. Four-way's the fast way to relieve those cold miseries. Then you feel better quickly. Four-way cold tablets, only 29 and 59 cents. Now, a word about another fine product of Grove Laboratories. Does dandruff dull your hair, leave scalp itchy? Get Fitch Dandruff Remover Shampoo and get rid of unsightly dandruff in three minutes. Three minutes with Fitch regularly is guaranteed to keep embarrassing dandruff away forever. Apply Fitch before wetting hair, rub in one minute. Add water, lather one minute. Rinse one minute. Every trace of dandruff goes down the drain. Three minutes with Fitch, unsightly dandruff's gone. Fitch can also leave your hair up to 35% brighter. Fitch Dandruff Remover Shampoo. And now, act one of yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
Defense Accounts, submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Western Maritime and Property Insurance Company, Beverly Hills office. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Baldero matter. Expense account item one, 146.85, plane ticket to Los Angeles. Earl Foreman, with whom I just finished working on a case, drove me from Sarasota to the International Airport in Tampa. Well, I don't know why not, Johnny. Oh, are you kidding? In this day and age, a bunch of bearded gorillas stripped to the waist, bandanas wrapped around their heads, waving cutlasses. I didn't say that, Johnny. And, and, and Long John Silver, I suppose, leading the boarding party. Oh, Earl, that kind of stuff went on a couple of hundred years ago. Sure, sure. But do you remember that palatial yacht that was boarded and taken over just off San Salvador about a year ago? Well, yes. Convicts from a prison colony on the island of Isabella. They had control of that yacht for three days, Johnny. And when they left, they took along everything of value they could get their hands on. Yeah, I remember. You don't call that piracy? Well, maybe so. You think that's what happened in this case? There's only one way to find out. The flight to Los Angeles was uneventful. Thanks to the time zone differential, it was only 4.30 p.m. when I arrived. Item two, six dollars even for a cab to the Beverly Hilton where I parked my bags. Item three, ten cents for a phone call to Arthur Arthur, who, if I remember correctly, was quite a character. Good insurance man, but, uh, well, a character. Item four, seventy-five cents for a cab to his office on Wilshire Boulevard. Yes, it all happened somewhere off the coast of Mexico. Mr. Baldiston and his party were just cruising around. They were just taking life easy. Uh, Baldiston is the owner of the yacht? H.B. Baldiston. Oh, he's a big stockbroker. He lives here in Beverly Hills at 3124 North Roxbury Drive. And what's the name of his yacht? Uh, the Baldero. Oh, it is a tremendous thing. It's, trem- it's over 100 feet from stem to stern. Wow. It's 100 it feet long. Arthur, uh, where, where does he keep it now? Where does he keep it? Oh, at his dock. He's down there in Balboa. Oh, you know where Balboa is. Yes, yes, I oh, know. Oh, one of the nicest places by the ocean in all of California. Yes. Now, Johnny, if I ever wanted yeah, to retire... Uh, that who would be were the first. guests on board? Well, let me see. His wife, of course, and Mr. and Mrs. Gerald Hooper, and young Richard Spidel, and Lee Willway. Just cruising around, huh? Yes, but they'd planned to sail on up to San Francisco for that big charity ball up there on the 30th. Oh. <laughs> That's why they all had their finest clothes and most expensive jewelry with them. Oh? <laughs> yes, sir. $394,000 worth of jewelry. Stolen. Oh, yes. yes. Plus a few other things, too. Mostly silverware. Things like that. Actually, it was reported to me by one of the guests on the yacht. These, uh, these pirates simply pulled alongside in the middle of the night, held them at gunpoint, took the stuff and left. That's right, Jeff. There were two of them. Oh, my, they must have been horrid fellas. Just where off the coast of Mexico did this happen? Well, I'm not quite sure. Mr. Baldiston was, uh, well, he, he was kind of vague about where it happened. You know, he's kind of vague. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe I better talk to him. Uh, yes, by all means, John. Yeah. Art, I'll see you later. Item five, fifty bucks, deposit on a rental car. I drove to the Baldiston's home on North Roxbury. It was a tremendous place in one of the most wealthy parts of Beverly Hills. A snazzy-looking sports car was parked in the broad driveway, and as I walked up to the front door, another car, a big sedan, pulled in the drive. A heavy-set, well-dressed, rather nice-looking man of about fifty got out of it and came over to me. 
Are you uh, looking for someone, young man? Well, I believe this is the Balderston residence. That's right. And I'm Harry Balderston. Oh, well, my name is Dollar, Mr. Balderston. Johnny Dollar? The insurance investigator that Mr. Arthur sent for? That's right, sir. Well, come in, come in. We'll have a cocktail or two. I uh, understand it's that time of day, and I'm sure you won't object. Not a bit. Good. And I'll tell you all about the unfortunate affair aboard the Baldero. Happened just night before last, you know. So I understand. But I'm not quite clear as to just exactly where you were when it happened. Down off the Mexican coast, Dollar. Uh, sit down, sit down. Thanks. Yes, it took us nearly 12 hours to get back to Balboa. And at 11 knots, well, you can figure it out for yourself. Uh, Mary Lee? Yes, Harry? Come on down, dear. I want you to meet Mr. Johnny Dollar. Oh, all right, dear. Now, I'll pour us a drink and tell you all about it. So he poured his wife joined us and we talked. But I'm afraid I didn't learn much more than I already knew. They'd both been asleep when it happened. The so-called pirates had come aboard very quietly. Both they and their guests had been held in their respective cabins by one of the men while the other gathered the loot. The men had worn long oilskin raincoats, had nylon stockings pulled over their faces to conceal their identity. Only one of the guests, Lee Wilway, had even seen the boat they'd used. Falderson never did tell me definitely where it happened. And the more I listened, the more suspicious I got. Yeah, suspicious of him. Act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. There goes a treasure car. There goes another. And another. And one of them may be your car. Yes, folks, you may have a Bram treasure hunt filter in your car worth $1,000 and not even know it. A Bram filter worth 1,000 silver dollars. A filter change is important to today's cars, so important that Bram Corporation, in conjunction with its silver anniversary, is paying $60,000 in cash to get you to check your filters now. Last year, 10,000 secretly numbered Bram filters were distributed all over the United States and installed in cars during regular servicing. These filters are worth from $1 to $1,000. You may have one in your car and not even know it. A Fram filter worth 1,000 silver dollars. Check your oil filter and air filter now. If there's a specially numbered Fram filter in your car, you will win up to 1,000 silver dollars and your dealer will win the same amount. Get in on Fram's big silver treasure hunt. Check your car filters now. And now, act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar and the Baldero Matter. <laughs> Dollar, it was hard to tell just where we were. I keep an engineer on board, and he'd been at the wheel most of the day. But you were anchored for the night. Yeah, that's right. You see, we were just killing time until it was time to head north to San Francisco and that uh, charity ball the ladies wanted to go to. Yes, the charity ball. And after waiting two months, now I suppose we'll just have to forget it with all our jewelry gone. Didn't you check your position to find your way back to Balboa? Just headed east, then followed the shoreline. You say that one of your guests... Incidentally, I want to check with them. Oh, by all means. I'll give you their addresses. Yes, there may have been details that we've forgotten, overlooked. After all, we were a bit upset over what had happened, and probably more than a little confused. Well, I know I was. You said that one of your friends got a look at the boat these men used. Yes, yes, Lee Wilway ran up on deck. Of course, it was dark and there was some fog, but uh, Lee said it was a black boat. Well, now you A can't... long black speedboat. Maybe. 
by the time the rest of us got up there, it had completely disappeared. Then uh, I had the beacon start the diesels, and we made the run back to Balboa. You notified the Coast Guard, of course. Not until we got in. What? Well, Lee had been fooling with the radio earlier. The rest of us were in the main cabin playing cards. And, uh, well, when we tried to send out a call, the transmitter wouldn't work. Well, I find this, Lee, will we? Here, I've written down the address for you. And our other guests, too. Mr. and Mrs. Hooper and Richard Spidal. Thank you. Now, uh, Mr. Dollar. Mr. Balderston. Yes? I'll see you later. Yeah, there was something very funny about this whole thing. But I wasn't quite sure just what. I checked with Mr. and Mrs. Hooper. Elderly, very quiet and dignified. Their story was the same as the Baldistons. Except in one thing. They weren't at all sure it had taken them any 12 hours to get back to port. I drove to the address of Lee Wilway. It was a small apartment below Wilshire. After all, if Lee was the only one awake and alert enough to have taken a good look at the pirates in their boat. Yeah, and what about the yacht's radio that wouldn't work after Lee had spent the evening fooling with it? Yes? Oh, I beg... Well, uh, that is, I'm looking for Lee Wilway. I'm Lee. Who are you? Believe me, Charles of the Ritz would have been proud of this one. A living doll. Twenty-three or four, she was tall, slim, and a pretty face topped with red hair that looked oh so carefully disarranged. Yeah, she was a beauty. And yet, as we talked, I couldn't quite picture this gal on a yachting trip with the Baldistons. Gee, no, I haven't the least idea where we were when it happened, Johnny. It could have been a million miles out to sea, but if Baldy... <laughs> I mean, Mr. Baldiston says it took us 12 hours to get back. It must have taken us 12 hours. And you're sure you didn't recognize either of the men who boarded the yacht, Lee, huh? No, I certainly didn't, but I saw the boat they had. It was a long black one. Solid black? Solid black. Did anyone else on board see that boat? No, at least... I don't think so. What did you do after they left? Went up to the bridge, to the radio. Uh, didn't they tell you? To call the Coast Guard? Well, yeah, sure, only... They said uh, you were at the radio earlier. Yes, just listening. But after it was over and I tried to call the Coast Guard, well, it just wouldn't work. Like another drink, Johnny? The Baldistons and Hoopers were playing bridge earlier. Yes, look, Johnny, have you had dinner yet? Where were the other guests? Dicky boy? Yes, Dick Spidle. No, I didn't know. And what did he do after you were boarded and robbed? <laughs> He was probably down in his cabin with his head under the cover, scared to death. If he had any nerve, he could have stopped them, too. What do you mean? Well, his was the one cabin they didn't go into. They didn't bother him. And he knew there was a rifle they used for shooting sharks. He knew it was on the rack just outside his door. And if he'd come up shooting with it, why, Larry, well, those pirates would have jumped overboard and run for home. I just bet they would. Apparently, you don't think much of this, Dick Spidal. Would you? I mean, acting like that? I mean, doing nothing when he could have? Incidentally, when I stopped at the Baldistons, I saw a sports car outside. Oh, yeah. Isn't that a dreamboat? It's Larry's. Who's Larry? Larry Baldiston. He's my... Oh, gee, Johnny, I'm getting hungry. Why don't we have another drink and then have some dinner? Hmm? Sorry, but I'm afraid I can't. I'm not used to being turned down, Johnny. Well, I'm sorry, but there are a couple of people I've got to see. Oh, like who? Your friend Dick Spidal, among others. Oh, I'll see you later, Lee. I'll be here, Johnny. I guess I'm not as familiar with the streets of Los Angeles as I thought. It took me over half an hour to find Spidal's apartment. It was one of those ultra-swank affairs just off Sweetser Avenue below the famous Sunset Strip. 
I parked under a big palm tree. Then, as I backed out of my car, another one roared up and stopped behind me. The glare of the headlights partly blinded me. Hey, just a minute, you. Huh? Johnny Dollar, huh? That's right. Who are you? Here. Oh! Act three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. Ever have trouble sleeping nights because of acid indigestion, heartburn, or gas? Then remember, for acid indigestion, nothing but Tums works so fast to make you feel so good so long. Tums work fast. Get rid of the burning excess acids that won't let you sleep. In a matter of seconds, you begin to feel better, and Tums relief stays with you. You relax, go to sleep pleasantly, because Tums bring complete relief. Get rid of burning excess stomach acids completely. Nothing but Tums works so fast to make you feel so good so long. So when acid indigestion keeps you awake, take Tums. Keep a handy roll of Tums on the night table within easy reach. And remember, there's no mixing or fixing with Tums. You don't even need to get out of bed. Get the very best. Get Tums, ten cents, three roll pack a quarter. Or get the new six roll pack with free metal carrier, only 49 cents. Always carry Tums, T-U-M-S. Keep your tummy under Tums control. And now, act three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. The headlights of my attacker's car had partly blinded me, but I'd seen enough of it to know it was the same one I'd seen at the home of Mr. Balderston. Yeah, his son Larry's. But I came to to find myself parked behind the wheel of my own car. And lying on the seat beside me were five crisp hundred-dollar bills and a note. Take this money and get out of town, it said. You have no case anyway because the things that were stolen off the yacht have been returned. So you may as well leave while you have your health. No signature. There was only one person in the world I wanted to see at that moment, Larry Balderston. But I felt a bit rocked since I was at the front door of Dick Spidel's apartment. Since I'd really come to see him... And if I was lucky, he might have a good stiff drink handy. Feeling better now, Mr. Darlow? Yeah, yeah, I am. Thanks, Dick. It's Richard, if you don't mind. Oh, yeah, sure. But uh, go on with what you were saying. Well, the whole thing was absurd, of course. But the only reason Mrs. Balderson insisted on taking Lee on that yachting trip into the charity affair, and of course I was supposed to be her escort, was to shame her, to shore up. How do you mean? Well, after all, in spite of her beauty, she is a rather common person, rather cheap. So, Mrs. Balderston hoped that facing her with the ladies and gentlemen who attend the ball would embarrass her. Oh, I see. And that she'd realize she has no place among people like ourselves. People like you are just too good for her. Well, to put it bluntly, yes. In any event, Mrs. Balderston hoped it would break off this rather sordid romance. Romance? Mm. She and Lawrence Balderston. Larry, she calls him. And Lee is only after his money. But I take it Larry got wind of this little plan. Lawrence said that he would prevent its being carried out if it was the last thing he ever did. So he staged the piracy bet. Oh, I'm sure it was he. He's always done silly things like that, Mr. Dollar. Rich, headstrong, spoiled as he is. So when I heard the noise up on deck, I simply locked myself in my cabin and refused to budge when he and whoever he had helping him boarded the yard. Or because you were scared? I... Take your pardon. Thanks a lot, Dick. It's Richard. You've been a lot of help. help. Oh, and incidentally. Yes? You think Lee Wilway was in on it, too? 
That that's why she spent so much time on the ship's radio earlier in the evening? Indubitably. So that she could guide him to the yacht in his speedboat. His speedboat, of course, has all sorts of radio equipment aboard. What color is that speedboat? A mahogany. Why? We said the pirates were using a solid black boat. Which simply proves she was on to his plan. What do you mean? Well, the stupid... The wench was lying, that's all. Yeah, maybe you're right. Thanks, Dick. <sighs> it's Richard, if you don't... Dollar, do come in. Thank you, Mrs. Walliston. My husband's on the telephone talking to the engineer of our yacht down in Balboa. Oh. And what do you think has happened? I fine, think I can guess. That's fine. Just stay on watch, and I'll be back down there to pick those things up in the morning. Goodbye. It's true, Mary Lee. Oh, splendid. Whoever took them from us returned everything to the boat. Everything is... Oh, Mr. Dollar. Did you hear that? Yes, I heard. Where's your son, Larry, or Lawrence, or whatever you call him? Larry? Well, as a matter of fact, oh, the I... dear boy came in just a little while ago. Where is he? Uh, in the study, I believe. He said he had a call to make on the other phone. Thanks. Why, what's wrong, Mr. Dollar? Uh, Mr. Dollar! Yes, I saw you through the window, Lee. Trying to make up to that guy, Dollar. And let me tell you this. Let me give you this! Ooh. Larry, what is it? Want some more, Larry? Yeah. Now, listen, Dollar. Well, if that's the way you feel about it, you and that family of yours can... Well, I'm set up. I said, do you want some more or do you want to start talking? Okay, okay, oh, okay I did it. I rigged the whole thing, uh, Jimmy Driscoll and I, because I was fed up with the way Mother was trying to run my life. Lawrence, Yeah, but maybe she was right about Lee, after all. Of course she was, son. Why, of course, dear. But now, look, Dollar... If you think you can get away with barging in here and slugging me... Oh, oh you... Hey. Yes, why? Yeah. What? Enough, Larry, huh? You had enough? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Dollar. Okay. Sorry, Mr. Baldiston, but I kind of owed it to him. Dollar, I've been hoping somebody do that for a long time. What? Sure, I, I've spoiled him, too. It's been my fault as much as his mother's. My fault? But I never had any idea he'd carry things as far as he did. Of course, if you like, sir, I could prefer assault charges for his attack on me earlier. No, 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 I don't think it'll be necessary. And I'm much obliged to you. But my poor boy... Just leave him alone, Mary Lee. Oh. And suppose you leave us alone while I settle things with Mr. Dollar. <laughs> In this case, forget it. The 500 that Larry mistakenly tried to bribe me with, plus a nice fat check for Mr. Baldiston. Well, much as the thought of it hurts me, let's forget the expense account, too. Okay? Okay. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Our star will return in just a moment. Hey! Who's gonna win the thoroughbred Kentucky Cup? Thoroughbred! Who's gonna win that horse and make it pay? Lots of money, well, Kentucky Cup. Fight tobacco has to find the winner. So the horse is here, the time is near. Get your entry blank today. Yes, enter the annual Derby Day contest sponsored by Kentucky Club's nine brands of pipe tobaccos. First prize, a thoroughbred Bay Colt, son of famous oil capital, who won over $580,000. 
Jockey Ted Atkinson helps select this prize code. You name him and he's yours. He could win a fortune for you. Get Kentucky Club Derby Day contest entry blanks free at tobacco counters now. Hey, who's going to win the thoroughbred? Kentucky Club thoroughbred. Who's going to win that horse and make it pay? Farm the money around Kentucky Club. Right tobacco has to find the winner. So the horse is here, the time is here. Get your entry blank today. Now, here's our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week? Oh, wait a minute. Belated congratulations to station WJLS in Beckley, West Virginia on its 20th anniversary. Next week, I really go fishing. Yeah, for a body in the middle of Lake Mead. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood and is written, produced, and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in our cast were Virginia Gregg, Eleanor Audley, Vic Perrin, Howard McNear, Larry Dobkin, Will Wright, Carlton G. Young, and Jack Edwards. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This is Dan Coverly speaking. closed for this week. You can find more Richard Diamond and Johnny Dollar at RelicRadio.com. Alongside this podcast, all the others, everything else Relic Radio. We've got a shoutcast stream up there as well with even more old-time radio. If you'd like to help out, visit Donate.RelicRadio.com or click on one of the Donate links on the website. Your support makes it all happen. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me today. Be back next Wednesday with another hour of Case Closed. Case Closed.